Hello, welcome back to the We the Branches podcast. I know it has been a very, very long time since I posted an episode, and I have no excuses, so I apologize, but let's just get into it. This episode is called The Spirit, and it we're going to wrap up our... Um, talk about the armor of God. Um, And I really encourage you to pray. Just take a minute and pray um, before you continue listening to the episode because we're going to talk about something that's pretty controversial in the church. And um, I want to make sure that our hearts are in a good place and that they're softened to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and not hardened and not in a skeptical place. So just take a minute and pray um, before you continue listening. I'm going to start by reading our passage that we've been focusing on just um, to refresh our memories about what we've been talking about. So it's Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled against your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am, am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Um, I apologize if you hear a loud truck in the background. (laughs) Um, I think the trash trucks are here for my apartment. Um, So, we're going to be looking at the part of the passage that says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Um, The the rest of the passage, um, we're not really going to talk about right now, like in this, um, on the podcast, just because it's, I mean, it's it's kind of self-explanatory. You know, it's kind of just Paul saying, you know, pray for me that I will have um, boldness, basically, and I think that, you know, we all should have boldness, and that's a topic we can talk about at a later time, but we're going to just address um, the last two, last three parts of the armor of God. So the first one is the helmet of salvation. Um, So as we all know, you know, the helmet is to protect your head and your your brain and you know um your mind as well um so the helmet of salvation is meant to protect our our brain and our mind um salvation is Jesus giving us his blamelessness and perfect record so that we may have eternal life in heaven with God so the helmet of salvation, that, you know, that salvation acts as a helmet for us and protects our mind because Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the, I and the Father are one. So basically, the helmet of salvation protects us because we know in our mind that our, our salvation is safe and eternal and nothing man nor Satan does will ever separate us from God. So that, um, that knowledge, um, that our salvation is eternal, um, protects our mind because it, it protects us against those doubts that Satan's going to try to tell us like, oh, well, what if God doesn't love me anymore? What if I've run away from him too many times? What if I've sin too many times or done too many bad things and he doesn't love me anymore or his love is less now you know satan will try to put those doubts and our those lies into our mind but um we know from the passage i just read from john 10 that no one can take us away from the father once we are his once we give ourselves to him we are his forever. Um, and that that knowledge really can give us peace and joy and um, help us persevere through through this life. And so it, it acts as a helmet because it that knowledge of our salvation can block out all other lies and and um, doubts that Satan tries to put into our mind. Next is the sword of the spirit. The, the Bible verse says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So obviously we're talking about the word of God. Um, so simply put, the truth of the Bible, um, the word of God, tells us who we are following and how to follow him. Um, so that's, that's what the word of God is for us. Um, and, you know, then with this knowledge of, like, who we're following and how we're supposed to follow him, we're then able to fight against the devil and sin, um, you know, using passages like this one that we're studying um, with the armor of God. And um, the, Bible, the Bible also tells us, you know, the word of God is living and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that. Like, So the word of God is another weapon that we are given um, as our armor of God. Um, it, and it's, it's not only a weapon used against Satan. It's also a, um, a way for us to be better soldiers, if you will, you know, be more like Jesus, because the Holy Spirit uses the word to convict us and to guide us to being more like Jesus. So then we're able to better fight against Satan, and we're able to better defend ourselves and defend others and fight for the kingdom. Um, so, you know, knowing the truth of the Bible allows us to defend our faith and protect ourselves from Satan's attacks while we're living for God by showing the world his gospel. Um, and so knowing what the Bible says is truly, truly powerful in this fight, this spiritual fight that we're in. And that's one reason why I've stressed before how important it is for you to know for yourself what the Bible says and for you to study the word yourself and not just take the word of your pastors or small group leaders or parents, like you truly have to know for yourself what the Bible says. Um, and another topic that that applies to is what we're going to talk about next, um, which is a, a pretty controversial topic in within the church. Um, and that is uh, verse 18, where Paul says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So we're going to talk about praying in the Spirit. And 
Um, you've also might have heard it called praying in tongues or speaking in tongues. Um, I'm just going to use the phrase praying in the spirit because that's that's just the phrase that I want to use. But they all mean the same thing. Um, and if you're like me, you grew up not knowing anything about what this phrase means. Um, and so we're going to talk about what it is and the mis the false teachings about it. Um, and if you're also like me, you were whenever you hear people use this phrase, you think that no, the Bible doesn't actually say anything about praying in tongues or praying in the spirit, like, or or you've been told praying in the spirit just means praying. But the the verse I just read, the version that I've been using is the NIV. But I, I want you to also, it's not just this version. Like, some people will be like, oh, well, certain versions that are less accurate use that phrase. But let me just, we're just going to look at some other versions um, that also use this same language. So the ESV for this verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. The New King James Version says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. New American Standard Bible says, With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the spirit. So, praying in the spirit is something that Paul says. Um, I think these, you know, there's debate about which English version of the Bible is most accurate, um, but all four of these versions that I just read, um, you know, they, they've, they all have um, people behind them that, you know, say that they're, they're pretty accurate and stuff. Um, basically what I'm trying to say is these four versions all are trustworthy and used by many different churches, and they all say praying in the Spirit, which leads us to believe that Paul actually said praying in the Spirit. Um, and um, so before we talk about, like, what praying in tongues, what praying in the Spirit means, first I want to address that I, I realize some churches don't preach about this. Um, I grew up in a church that did not preach about praying in the Spirit. Um, when we read verses like this, we were told it's just praying, you know, because the Spirit lives within you, and so when you pray, you're praying with the Spirit. That's not true. Um, and um, I was also raised to believe that praying in tongues looked like the the churches who misuse praying in tongues and they they make it about they they make it this big old show and like with false emotions and false teachings and false prophecies and you know they they do it for the experience and you know they're running around, falling on the floor, and just, like, um, praying in these, in weird languages and weird words, and, you know, they're, they're just, you know, being fake about it. That's what I was told and, like, taught to believe praying in tongues was. So, like, that, but that's not true either. Like, that's one extreme, the, the putting on the show and making it about an experience and it being fake. But then the other extreme is what I did grow up in, which was not talking about what praying in the Spirit means and not talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, and those are both two different extremes, but they're both equally unbiblical. And um, 
so I, I think a lot of y'all probably also grew up in a church that kind of ignored praying in the spirit and didn't really preach about it. Um, so I just, the thing is, oh, well, I was also taught that like, um, you know, it was only for like the gifts of the Holy Spirit were only given to the apostles and it was only during the apostolic time that those gifts were present and they kind of went away with the apostles um, because, you know, they were they were starting the church. So they, they needed that extra power. But then also I grew up always thinking like if it is present today, it's only in like third world countries because, you know, they they need those miracles and that extra power. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but America is in need of a miracle. <laughs> America is in no less need of the power of the Holy Spirit than any third world country. So that idea that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and that power is only visibly seen in third world countries where, um, where less um, tangible blessings are present, that is a false teaching and honestly kind of arrogant to think that because America is more blessed physically as far as wealth and resources that we would need less of the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, also, addressing, like, it only being a thing during the apostolic time. If it was only going to be around while the apostles were alive, why would Paul be teaching it to other generations that were going to outlive him and outlive the apostles and go on to continue the teachings of the church? Why would he be teaching them something that wasn't going to be true for them after he died? He wouldn't. Like, that makes no sense. So obviously, if Paul is talking about it, then it's applicable to following generations, including us. Um, I also want to address, like, I, I feel so strongly about this. Um, it, honestly, like, the churches who don't preach about the power of the Holy Spirit, and then the churches who take it to the other extreme where they're falling on the floor, faking miracles and faking praying in tongues and faking prophecies, they're both sinning in different ways because one is adding to the word and then the other one is taking away. And Deuteronomy 4, 2 tells us, you shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord Lord your God that I command you. We know we're not supposed to add and take away from the word of God because the word of God is perfect and it's exactly what he wants us to hear. So if it says something about praying in tongues or praying in the spirit like we just read, then obviously it's something that we need to learn about and study. Um, I also want to look at Jude 1, 17 through 21. It, uh, specifically verse 20, though, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Um, so Paul isn't the only one who addresses praying in the Spirit. There's also patches passages in Revelation about praying in the Spirit and taking from and adding to the Word of God. So Paul and Jude and John, they all talk about praying in the Spirit. Um, so it, it's not just Paul, if, um, if that's a concern. <laughs> um, so let's talk about what is praying in the Spirit, because I know I grew up not knowing anything about it except for, like, the extreme about, like, the the fake 
churches that do it just to put on a show. Um, and so I didn't really learn what it actually is. And what it is, is it's a prayer language between the Holy Spirit within you and God, the Father in heaven. And it's through your mouth. It's like using your mouth to speak it. Um, but it's from the Holy Spirit to God through you. And it's for your faith and relationship with God. Um, so you're, you're not necessarily, you're not going to understand what you're saying. It is not English. You're not speaking English words when you pray in the Spirit. But um, it is the Holy Spirit praying on your behalf. And because we don't understand what we're saying, um, it provides an opportunity for our emotions, which God tells us are untrustworthy, and our selfish desires and, you know, like, um, hidden agendas within our prayers. It, it takes all of that away because we don't actually know what we're saying. Um, so our sinful nature is taken out of the prayer, and then it becomes a prayer, but it, it's a perfect and pure prayer between the Holy Spirit on your behalf and God. And so it's this perfect prayer language um, that you have now to be able to pray to God. Um, and I want to look at 1 Corinthians 14, um, 1 through 5, a few of the verses in that passage. And I would really encourage you to go read 1 Corinthians 14 on your own. Just read the entire chapter. I would read the entire book. Like, you know, context is very important. And I, I don't want to ever pull things out of context. And um, I think a lot of people like to pull things out of context because it fits what they're trying to say. Um, so I encourage you to go read the whole chapter, um, because it'll, it'll give you a better understanding of what Paul is talking about in these verses and why he is addressing this. Um, but I'm going to read verse two of first Corinthians 14. Verse two says, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. So that's telling us, you know, this this language, this prayer language is not to men, meaning, you know, like it's not for other people to hear and understand. It's for God. It's between you and God. Um, then it says, the verse says, for no one understands him which I, I said, you know, it's not an English language. Um, it's between the Holy Spirit and God. So it's, it's a prayer language that we do not understand. Um, and then go down to verse 4. It says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So this is saying that um, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, it's for your relationship with God. There's other things like prophesying that can be done that are for the building up of the church and um, the body of Christ, but to deepen your relationship with God and um, to grow your faith, that is that is the purpose of praying in the spirit. And if you continue reading in verse 5, Paul says, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. So he, the reason Paul says, but even more to prophesy is because if you look at the context of this chapter, the, the church of Corinth is misusing praying in the spirit. 
Um, and that's why he's addressing it with this wording that he wants them to even more so prophesy because he wants them to build up each other and build up the church and prophesying can help with that. Whereas praying in the spirit is more for your individual relationship with God. And he's not saying that's a bad thing. He says, I want you all to speak in tongues. So he wants all of the people of Corinth and subsequently all Christians, he wants us all to experience that connection with God and that personal prayer language. Um, but he does address that, you know, it's more for your individual relationship with God. So there's a time and place for that. And then there's a time and place for doing things that build up the church and build up the community and the body of Christ. So, and so we're going to talk about, you know, praying in tongues, praying in the spirit, which is for you and your relationship with God. And I will personally say, and I think a lot of people will say that for me, when I got my prayer language, when I was given the gift of being able to pray in the spirit, my faith grew astronomically and my faith deepened in a way that I did not ever expect it would and in a way that I longed for but never thought would actually happen to me. You know how you see people with faith that it's it's amazing like how can they have faith in all, all these terrible situations? How can they have peace and, you know, you just wonder how they can trust God so much. And I will tell you, when I got my prayer language, that unshakable faith and peace is what came with it. And my relationship with God grew stronger in a way that is only explainable by saying it was the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what your prayer language can be. It is a way for your faith to grow in a way that's unimaginable. Um, I'll, I'll give you a little um, short version of how I got my prayer language because it's it, within my faith and my journey with God, it is the most powerful thing that has ever happened to me and my relationship with God. And that's one reason why I'm so passionate about the subject and why um, it angers me so much that churches don't preach about this because it's literally the most powerful thing that has ever happened to me in my relationship with God. And there are people who've never even heard of it and people who are being told that it's not real and that it's not true and that the Bible doesn't talk about it. But that's not true. The Bible does talk about it. We just read where the Bible talks about it. So anyways, um, I got my prayer language, um, in March of 2019, I think. Um, I think. It was, it was in March, I, I believe 2019, anyways, so um, it was a little while after my husband and I started dating, and um, there were, there were two things, two like major topics that we had to talk about as far as like um, theology goes, um, when we first started dating to, you know, make sure we were on the same page. And one of those things was praying in tongues, praying in the spirit. And at that time, I was like, well, you know, I, I did not grow up learning about it. Um, I was always told that, you know, it's fake. People who do it are fake. They're doing it for attention or they're just, you know, doing it to create, you know, a false narrative and false experience. And that was my 
understanding of it. Um, but I, I knew that, like, you know, I didn't know everything about the Bible. So I was open to learning about new things and seeing what the Bible had to say. Um, and so after my husband and I talked about it, you know, he told me about his upbringing with it and um, how, you know, he he did have a prayer language and um, his family had prayer languages of their own. And, you know, he grew up learning about the biblical teachings of praying in the spirit. And so I really dug into trying to find sermons about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and praying in the spirit. And I really wanted to learn more about it um, because I knew that my husband's family was a a God-fearing family and a biblical family. My father-in-law can quote scripture like nobody's business. <laughs> um and so I knew that if they were saying this was in the Bible and this was a teaching of God and it was real, then it was very much worth looking into and pursuing and trying to gain understanding of it. So I, I went on this, you know, journey of trying to find sermons about it. And, um, I had started going to a church in my college town that... Um, believed in praying in tongues and so I you know asked questions about it there and um, eventually I, I got to the understanding and I gained the knowledge of you know this is a biblical teaching and it's something that can help your relationship with God and it can help you minister to other people and it's something that you should want because um, if it's going to help deepen your relationship with God you should want it. Um, and so I remember it was this one Sunday, there, there were two different Sundays that were very impactful. One Sunday we were worshiping and I just, I had my hands out and I was like, you know, God, I really, I want this, but I'm scared at the same time because I didn't learn, I didn't grow up learning about it. So it scared me because it was something very new to me. But I knew that it was going to be, if it was going to help my relationship with God, I knew that I needed it, and I knew that I wanted it. Um, and a lady from that church, as we were worshiping, she came over to me, and she she spoke over my life in a way that was so powerful, because she she had this vision of me standing at a window and the fog was like dissipating out of the window and like the room and the window area around me was clearing from this fog and it was so powerful that God gave her that vision because that's exactly what was happening in my life at that moment in the context of praying in the spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit you know because I I was just coming to an understanding of learning about it and like my vision kind of being cleared so that I could see the truth of what the Bible preaches about the power of the Holy Spirit. And that was, it was amazing. It was so impactful. Um, and so then a week or two later at church, Again, I just, I felt God telling me, like, you know, you need to ask for prayer for this. Or, like, you, I need to pursue this gift full-heartedly. And I need to, you know, get rid of my doubts, get rid of my fears, and just ask for prayer about it. Um, and so I went up after church and asked for prayer. And um, uh, these... This man and woman prayed over me and prayed with me and for me. And um, it, <laughs> I was expecting something to happen right then. Um, and um, it didn't. But 
I remember I got in my car and was driving home and I was just, I was crying. I was crying that whole service and, you know, all through the prayer and everything. I was crying, driving home. And I was like, God, if this is truly something that's going to help my relationship with you and deepen it and help my ability to um, minister to other people, then I want it. Like, I truly, truly want it. It doesn't matter what I grew up learning about it. It doesn't matter what fears or doubts I have about it. Like, if it's going to bring me closer to you, then it it shouldn't matter what I think about it. I should want it. And I, I do want it. And I just remember praying and praying, like, God, give me this gift. Like, I I want this gift, Lord. Give it to me. Bring your spirit on me. And I, I kept getting closer and closer to my apartment. And I was like, you know what, God? I'm going to open my mouth. And I will not close my mouth until I am praying in tongues. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> um, so I pulled into my apartment um, parking lot. Still nothing. Still praying in English. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here. And as I sat there, I kept praying and praying, you know, like, God, give me this gift. Like, I want this gift. I want to be able to have this perfect prayer language with you. I want to have that connection with you. I want to have that faith to believe that this is a true thing and that your power of the Holy Spirit is this strong that, you know, you you can have a gift like this and that the power of the Holy Spirit can work in me because I didn't, I never expected to experience the power of the Holy Spirit that comes with things like praying in tongues and um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I never expected that I would be able to experience something like that. And I was like, God, please just, please just give me this gift. Um, I want my faith to be deepened. I want to experience this amount of faith and amount of trust in you and for you to use me. And as I was praying, I just remember I was praying in English and and thinking as I prayed and then all of a sudden what I was saying, what I was praying out loud was no longer English. And I remember I cried so much and I just continued to pray in the spirit. And I was just, I have never felt so much joy than in that moment in the ability to experience God in that way and experience the power of the Holy Spirit in that way, receiving that prayer language. And it was beautiful and amazing and I will tell you my faith since that moment has been so much stronger and so much more unshakable than it ever was and the amount of peace I have is so much more of a foundation in my life and you know the Bible says you'll have peace beyond all understanding. And that's what I have because of this wonderful prayer language gift. And this, uh, this gift to be able to pray in a way that is perfect and pure and um, allows the power of the Holy Spirit to fill me and work through me and strengthen my relationship with God and draw me closer to him. It is a precious, precious gift. And I want everyone to experience it. Um, and it's beautiful. Um, and and it's, it's kind of unexplainable, you know, like, you know, I don't know what I'm saying when I pray in the Spirit, but I do know that the amount of peace I feel when I pray in the Spirit is unmatched. If I, I mean, and 
and it's so powerful because you you're calling like the holy spirit to fully ignite his power in you you're taking away your own understanding of what you're saying you're taking away your own emotion out of what you're saying and it is purely the holy spirit communicating with god on your behalf so you know one way that i have seen that so evidence in my life is if i am scared about something or i'm nervous you know i can pray in english all i want and you know sometimes God gives me peace and um, I, I can move on from that fear or that anxiety. But the, the amount of steady peace and long-lasting peace and joy that I feel when I pray in the spirit, especially if I'm praying like against a spirit of fear or against doubts or anything, anything that Satan can throw my way, if I pray against it in the spirit, it is amazing. It is amazing the power of the Holy Spirit that comes through and eradicates those fears or those doubts or whatever it is. Praying in the spirit is so pure and it it truly is a perfect way to communicate with God because it's not in our language. It's it's God and the Holy Spirit communicating on your behalf. And nothing is more perfect than that. And nothing is more powerful than the Holy Spirit. And it has been amazing for me to see the power of the Holy Spirit in that way. And you know, I am so thankful. I am so thankful that I learned about this gift and that I have received this gift. And, you know, sometimes I wish that I had learned about it earlier and that I'd grown up learning about it because I feel, I feel so much more, I feel more protected, if that makes sense, because I have this weapon of praying in the spirit that, like I said, it's a perfect prayer language between the Holy Spirit and God, and nothing is more powerful than the Holy Spirit. And, you know, yes, God is going to protect us as his children, but when you feel a spirit of fear, and you pray in the Spirit, and it is gone, that is an amazing thing. And witnessing the way God can move in your life when you put all of your trust and faith in him and allow the spirit to pray through you. It is amazing what God can do. Um, and, you know, I've, I've uh, already talked about this a little bit, but it's, it's a weapon that we have. Um, Cause you know, we've talked about how, the armor of God is how we fight Satan and defend ourselves against him. And Paul, including praying in the spirit as part of the armor of God and part of this passage, um, is teaching us that um, praying in the spirit is a way to fight Satan and defend ourselves against him. And like I just told you, that is so true. And I have seen that in my life. Um, and we, But we also know that you know, everything God has given us for good, Satan will try to twist for evil. Um, and, you know, as as we talked about earlier with different churches going to different extremes when it comes to praying in, in the spirit, that is, that is evidence that Satan tries to twist good things because he has created this huge divide in the church over this topic. And I think it's because he knows, Satan knows how powerful praying in the spirit is. As I just shared with you, it's the most powerful thing I've experienced in my walk with God. Satan knows that. And that's why Satan has created such a huge divide over it. Because 
if all of us embraced praying in the spirit and allowing the the Holy Spirit to fully show his power through us and we, uh, you know, take down the boxes we have around our idea of what God is and around what we think his power should look like. When we take away those boxes and we just open up ourselves to anything that God has for us and any possibility and any opportunity for him to show his power, that is powerful and that will be powerful and Satan does not want that to happen. That's why praying in the spirit has been so twisted um, over, you know, ever since the Corinthians. Um, and, you know, Satan Satan doesn't want us to experience the power of the Holy Spirit like that um, because he wants power over us. He wants power over the world, over everything, and he knows that when we pray in the Spirit, we give the Holy Spirit the power, and it's completely taken away from him, and he has to leave. He can't be around the Holy Spirit and the angels of God. And so when we pray in the Spirit, he has to leave. And he doesn't get power over whatever situation we're in or whatever area we're in. And he doesn't like that. So um, I very much encourage you to continue studying this topic because um, I know that I had a lot of questions. Even after I was given my prayer language, I still had questions um, and wanted to learn more about it. And so I really, really encourage you to read the 1 Corinthians 14 passage and look up um, sermons about praying in the Spirit and about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I would say, keep in mind, though, that there's those two extremes of how Satan has divided the church. You know, there's the ones who deny the power of the Holy Spirit and that praying in tongues. And then there's those who use it as, um, you know, a way to create false experiences. And um, they, they go to the other extreme. Um, I would personally suggest listening to the pastor... Matt Chandler, any sermon that he has on the power of the Holy Spirit or praying in the Spirit or prayer or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, literally any sermon he has will be good teaching for you. Um, he's one of my favorite pastors and he teaches in a very... Um, understandable way and he he preaches in a very biblical way and he's not afraid to you know address the controversial things and he um, he talks about what the Bible says he's very good at looking at the scripture and breaking it down he doesn't you know add or take away um, and so any sermon by him I will say it will be good. Um, and then another sermon series, or just, there's a series about it, or you can just listen to the one sermon, but it's actually from my church. Um, they preached it yesterday, which is actually an answered prayer, because I have been thinking about this episode of the podcast for several weeks now, and I really... I just really wanted to hear one more sermon about praying in the spirit um, before I talked about it because, you know, I'm not an expert. Um, I've only been studying and learning about this topic for a couple years, so I am not an expert at all. I, I know that I have a lot more to learn. So I, I really wanted just kind of somebody else to talk about it to me first and teach me about it again first and so my pastor talked about it yesterday so that was a, a huge answer to prayer but it was um 
the conclusion of a sermon series about prayer. Um, and so I would encourage you to go listen to the whole series if you would like, but the, the specific sermon about praying in, with the Spirit um, is the third and final sermon in the series. Um, my church is called The Rock Church in San Diego, and the sermon series is called Bubbles. Um, so there's three parts to the series. Um, you know, I would say just listen to all of it, but like I said, the, the last part, the third sermon, is the one that addresses praying in the Spirit, and as my pastor said, praying with the Spirit. Um, because that's, that's truly what it is. You're, you're praying with the spirit as the spirit prays on your behalf, um, to God in that perfect prayer language. So if you have any more, if you have questions, if you have, you know, doubts or you're skeptical, you know, please, please pray that God will soften your heart and that, you know, your eyes will be open to the truth, and go read the Bible. Go read First Corinthians fourteen, um, and you know, study what the Bible says, and look up these sermons that I've suggested. Because um, this is, like I said, it's the most powerful thing that has happened to me in my faith, and I truly want everybody to experience that and experience the freedom of breaking down those walls and those those ideas of what you the boxes you think God should fit into just break all of those down and let him show you his power and your faith will be forever changed